Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. We have been checked not once, not twice, but three times for foreign substances before the recording of this podcast. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco here, coming at you live from my home in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Thursday afternoon. It was a wacky week in Philadelphia. Hopefully, you're tuning in live on our Facebook, YouTube, or our Twitter channels at Mass and Nationals across the board. And if not, probably catching us after the fact on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud, or wherever you get podcasts. I'm going to bring in my co-host, Amy Jennings, who joins me via Zoom from the safety of her own home. Amy, I, have you caught your breath yet? Wacky week. How are you doing? I know. This was a crazy week. I I didn't. I mean, I thought we were going to be talking about one thing, and it completely changed in the last two days. But at least it's exciting uh, and some exciting news. And I will tell you, Bobby, my nan told me to wear purple today. Because she said Bobby will probably not wear purple. So that's why we don't match. <laughs> that, okay, hold on, though. That is kind of freaky because, like, remember I said last week, I'm, I was going to, like, pick out an outfit and then I was going to, like, go with my second gut. Like, second I, I, would, I would throw that to the side and pick a second one. That's what I did. And my first pick was purple. <laughs> no. I swear no. I hate to God. I'll go get it. I have it right there. It's a purple striped shirt. Purple and gray striped shirt. I wore it yesterday. You can ask Paul Mancano or Brendan Mortensen. I wore it yesterday to help them with their podcast. And I was like, you know, I only wore it for a couple of hours. I can throw it back on for another hour. It's, it's I know it's clean. It's fine. Uh, it's purple. Amy won't wear purple on a mass in podcast. See, you just never know. And never, I was just close week. to wearing it. But then I remember, you know what? Go with, throw that aside. Go, go make a second pick. It was a beautiful day out. And it's getting kind of cloudy now, but it was a beautiful day out today. I'll, I'll wear white to kind of, as a sign of new hope, a new, you know, a new risen uh, Nationals there team right now. So we are not matching. But I will say, at least in my mind, that was a little weird because I did have purple selected as my first option. Uh, so I'll chalk that up to like a half, almost wearing the same outfit. Right. Um, yeah. We're now we're on, we're like a half a game back. I think that's yeah. Like, yeah. How that works. That's, a, that's a perfect uh, analogy. But the Nationals are no longer just a half a game back in last place or anywhere. They are actually four games back in second place. They have won nine out of their last ten. Uh, they have completed a two-game sweep of the Phillies. They swept the Pirates this time last week. They won three out of four against the Mets. Over the past weekend, Amy, we're going to get into everything that just went down over these two games in Philadelphia. I mean, going into it, I was thinking, all right, two games against a division opponent. Nothing crazy will happen. You know, we know both of these teams pretty well. It'll be easy breakdown and we'll move on to Miami. Obviously not the case. But before we get to Philadelphia, what was just your overall impression of, you know, the last 10 days plus, 12 days plus that the Nationals have put together, sweeping the Pirates, winning three out of four against the Mets, like we said they they kind of needed to over the weekend? Well, you know, what we talked about last week was that that Mets series could very well be a turning point in the season. And I think winning three out of four was huge. And obviously, 
went into this week and obviously winning those two against the Phillies. So I think that is really important and obviously has changed the entire momentum of this team and um, the season right now. So it's hard to tell, obviously, uh, but they started by winning games that they should win, beating teams that they should win, and then now getting these the winning these games within their division. So I think that was obviously a huge series win carried into this week. And now you have a completely different feel about this team than you did two weeks ago. Yeah, we, I, I totally agree. And, you know, we've been kind of waiting for this to happen, right? We knew the team had the talent. We knew that they could play well. This was a stretch in which they were c- playing a little a couple of inferior opponents in the Pirates. The Mets were, are kind of banged up and were struggling a little bit entering that series. Uh, and then, of course, the Phillies are also banged up. And, you know, they play a lot better at home than the road. They were coming off a brutal road trip, which maybe resulted in some tired legs for the Phillies in that first game, some tired bats, some tired arms. Uh, and allowed the Nationals to carry over that momentum. But, you know, this is what we said they needed to do. They need to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They need to beat the teams ahead of them in the division. You kind of kill two birds with one stone by doing that, uh, you know, knocking them down a peg and you advancing a game. Um, and now you have another opportunity this week. You know, they play the Marlins, who have fallen completely off the face of the earth. They were competitive for a while. Now they're in dead last place, nine games out in the National League East. You got one more game, a makeup game on Monday against the Mets before you enter a brutal stretch before the All-Star break. But, you know, if you kind of gain some ground over these next five games against two more division opponents, you're setting yourself up nicely regardless of what happens uh, when you face the Rays, um, the, the Dodgers, and the Giants again. Mm-hmm, that's absolutely right. I think the one key thing is that they're going to have to beat these teams a little bit easier uh, than they have and a little less drama filled than they have over the past week. I mean, you can't use 17 relievers day in and day out and expect to win these big games uh, that could really change your entire season. So I think that's what's going to be key over the next week is, yeah, wins a win no matter what. And I don't care if you have to put up 13 what, what runs to win. Uh, it's still a win and important, uh, especially within the division. But they're going to have to do it a little bit easier, especially especially with the injuries that they have, especially this bullpen. Yeah, I think it was uh, Jan Gomes, uh, that walk-off win on Friday night against the Mets. Afterward, he's saying, hey, you know, a win is a win is a win is a win. Put that <laughs> on a T-shirt, and he's absolutely right, and you're right. You know, it, 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 they're getting it in a bunch of different ways. Um, nothing's perfect. Nothing. We're not saying that this team is, you know, going to finish the season and win the World Series as of right now, but they are playing a lot better, and they're finding ways to win, and that's kind of been the trademark of a Davey Martinez-led ball club over the first couple of seasons he's been at the helm here. It's just, you know, it's not going to be perfect. Obviously, go 1-0 every day. You know, uh, that's that's the main mantra right there. But figure out a way to win on that specific day. A 13-12 win over the over the Phillies, is obviously, that's great, but it's not going to be pretty. You also gave up 12 runs. You don't want to do that every single night. But you still found a way to win that game. That's something. There's something to be said about that right there. Uh, so it, it, I think it's a good thing that we're getting a mixture from this team on how they're winning games. You're either we're getting because before, right, Amy, like nothing was coming together. We would have really good starting pitching um, and then no offense, or we would have some offense, rocky starting pitching, or we would get a combination of the two, but then the bullpen would explode. Um, now it's there. It's kind of flipped right and we're getting a little pieces but in the right way and those are combining for wins right and that's that's kind of how you have to do it I mean this certainly the team or the offense that we were looking at two weeks ago wouldn't have been able to put up 13 runs uh, to win a game I mean even they were given they couldn't even put up three you know they gave up three runs and were losing the majority of those games I mean they gave up three runs and were losing the majority of those games so 
to to be able to score 13 runs is just a, a spark in this offense is certainly a huge huge part of that um and then you can afford to have a a night where your pitching isn't isn't doing as well yeah and i think that's what we've been waiting for all season long david martinez definitely has been waiting for that all season long i think the fans in the comments sections have been waiting for it uh, if you're watching <laughs> along with us on facebook or on youtube be sure to comment along uh, you know, Kyle Ashton joining us again. He, he's been gone for a couple of weeks. Hey guys, Nats are rolling that they are nine out of 10, I think 11 out of their last 14, hot, one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. It's like them and the Padres are just unbeatable, uh, right now. So, you know, it's, it's always funny, you know, Amy, when we, when the Nats are doing well and we ask for comments, we get, we get them in bunches, we get great viewership, but when they're not doing so well, you know, people aren't as excited and you can tell there's an energy right now around the mm -hmm. ball club and around the city that the Nats are finally hot and they're maybe doing it at the right time. And maybe they can find themselves at the top of the standings or, you know, right where they are second place ish heading into the all-star break. Yeah, and they're exciting to watch right now. I mean, the, it just like I said, like we're not in the clubhouse, but I imagine the clubhouse has a feel that's like completely different than it might have been just a few weeks ago. So they're exciting to watch. And I think the one thing that Nets fans know well is that uh, uh, Davey Martinez-led Nationals team is never out of it, um, obviously. So you just never know. But it certainly is a completely different feel. Now second in the division, um, they're in a completely different spot than they were. Uh, they just have to get some of these arms in the bullpen back um, and be able to not give up so many runs so that their offense doesn't have all that pressure on them. But certainly a different feel and super exciting. If you would have told me that they would have won a game last night where Juan Soto went 0 for 4 or yesterday afternoon went 0 for 4 with a walk um, and they scored 13 runs, had to use seven relievers and oh, wait, your closer was out. I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a very good point. But, you know, I think that goes to show what Kyle Schwarber has done at the top of the lineup. Trey Turner continues to have an all-star caliber season. Josh Bell is turning around. We'll get to all those guys in just a bit uh, when we talk about Wednesday's game. But let's start with Tuesday night game because obviously, Amy, that's where everything kind of went awry. Not in a bad way for the Nationals, but just like set the tone for this two-game set. I was just like, this is not your ordinary two-game series in Philadelphia. This is going to be <laughs> a little weird. Of course, Major League Baseball starting. I don't know if it's an officially a new rule, um, but you know, on Monday starting a new era, let's call it, of, of, of baseball where umpires are going to start checking pitchers for foreign substances um, on their hats, on their gloves, I guess their belts, anywhere around them. Um, and opposing managers can also request other uh, the opposing pitchers to be checked if there is a probable cause that they think uh, that something is going wrong or they're using an illegal substance to better grip the ball. We can kind of dive into that conversation right now a little bit. I mean, I, 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 go, I teeter back and forth. Uh, I understand that at some point it's a competitive advantage to a certain extent for the pitchers, but I also really rely heavily on the other side of it. It's, it's kind of resolve, revolves around player safety too. And Max Scherzer kind of touched on that after the game Tuesday night. And, you know, it's like, it helps me better grip the ball. So I don't beam a guy in the head with a 99 mile per hour fastball. Um, but this was the first time we saw this implemented during a nationals game. Amy, what did you kind of make of how it all went down before we kind of get to the Joe Girardi aspect of Tuesday night? Well, I just think what's so crazy about it is that it's not a new rule. 
But all of a sudden, we're deciding to enforce it in the middle of a season, which I think is kind of crazy and something that the MLB kind of has done with a few new things. And implementing rules in the middle of a season probably isn't ever going to work out well, especially when it's a rule that the majority, I think it's probably safe to say the majority of the players have something to say about. Because, yeah, it starts with the safety. I mean, you saw pitchers already getting hurt. Glass now attributed his injury um, to not being able to use those substances, obviously puts hitters at risk because if a pitcher doesn't know where the ball is going, um, th- that could be not so good for, for the hitter either. So it's kind of crazy that we're implementing these rules in the middle of the season or, you know, starting to actually enforce them. And it seems like mo- the majority of players have something to say about it. So let's maybe take a step back, listen to the players. I don't know. But Max Scherzer certainly put on a show in this one, and he had obviously been outspoken about it already this season. And you could see kind of all of those feelings come to lay when he was on the mound on Tuesday. Yeah, I think, and Max's point, which I, I actually completely agree with, it's like, you know, the players are being asked to respond to this and, and talk about this. It's not their fault, right? You know, this is an MLB imposed rule. We've only heard Commissioner Rob Manfred address it one time via the athletic yesterday or whatever, whenever that article came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, Max was like kind of frustrated. He's like, why do we have to answer for this? We're just playing the game by the rules that the league has now implemented. Go ask them about it. You know, this is not our fault. This is the, the, the league doing this. Um, and now we're the only ones who are speaking on behalf of the league for it. You know, go talk to the commissioner. I think he said these are our Manfred rules. Go talk to him. Go ask mm-hmm. him because I, I don't want to answer questions about this because it's not my place. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it, to a certain extent, it does involve a lot of player um, uh, safety. I You know, I, I think it's that's an important thing to keep in mind um, with all the play with all the checks. I You know, I. Max also said, you know, I don't want to hit a guy 100 miles per hour in the head. Look what happened to Austin Voth, broke his nose. We've seen far worse injuries across the league uh, due to this stuff. So, you know, it is kind of a scary thing, but at the same time, it does give the pitchers some kind of advantage. And we've seen averages go down across the league uh, because of it. You know, it's, it's, we've seen a lot of strikeouts, but also a lot of home runs. People think that's kind of ruining the game, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to get too deep into that part of the conversation. <laughs> I do want to get into how Joe Girardi kind of used the rule because I know Nationals fans had an issue with that. Max Scherzer absolutely did. Davey Martinez did. Um, whether or not they will actually admit it or say it uh, publicly, but the whole, the whole that how that all went down, Amy. It was just kind of, and I was in awe to see. I was like, is he really doing this? Is Joe Girardi really gonna do this and have Max be checked a third time in only four innings after already been checked twice? Like, it was just. I, I think it's just like the way the rules written or whatever it is is just. It gives too much power to the opposing manager because theoretically they could go have them asked to be checked every single inning. And that's just so much for pace of play. Right, I know, because now baseball is making all these rules to try to speed up the game. But, oh, wait, this completely slows down the game, especially when you allow the opposing team manager to go out there every other inning, it seems like. So the rule is that starting pitchers get checked twice, 
And then relievers get checked after the first inning, their pitch closers before they come into the game. Um, but then, of course, there is that loophole where the opposing team manager, as long as there is evidence, obviously, with Max Scherzer, he kept going to his head, kept going to his hair, which he said he was trying to get the sweat, obviously, because the rosin wasn't working. Um, as long as they're doing something that kind of warrants that ask, then it seems like the umpires are going to go for it. But it obviously completely slows down the pace of play. And it's kind of interesting to see because I don't think opposing team managers really wanted to go after the other pitcher because they fear that the same would be uh, for for their pitcher. So obviously you're not going to bring it up uh, and then have your guy get checked out. But I guess now that kind of it's all hands on deck trying to enforce this rule, all bets are off. And Joe Girardi certainly isn't afraid to go out there and, and, and see what's what. But that was just a show. And to know that Max Scherzer already had something to say about the rule, um, he certainly didn't um, mince any words or any actions. He, he, he went all out. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I think there's, you know, I think you're right. If technically, he's Joe Girardi's in the right to do that. There is a part of the rule that says the, the manager needs to have probable cause to do it. And his argument was that he had, Max was wiping his hand on his hair more than he's ever seen. I, to me, like I, I was trying to find, I feel like we have a gif of that in our social, you know, our mass and nationals, like, uh, uh, like inbox or whatever you want to call it, like storage, uh, of like Max always like wiping his brow and his hair and stuff like that. And he does it all the time, you know, guys sweat out there and, and grip, pitchers need grip. So I was like, that that's kind of BS. Like Max does that a lot, uh, just like any other pitcher would. But Max even admitted that, you know, it wasn't particularly warm that night. I could not get any kind of moisture to mix with the rosin uh, to better grip the ball. Um, I, I just have a real issue about, like, he was already checked twice, and you're going to check him again because he struck out J.T. Romuto, or actually this is before that, so the, in the middle of the fourth inning. Mm -hmm. You're going to check him again just because he's kind of dominating your team. To me, it was just like the timing of it seemed like he was trying to throw Max off the game. And then after that, after Max kind of stares him down, Joe kind of charges at him on the field to try to entice him and the Nationals trying to get him kicked out of the game. Joe probably knows he's going to get ejected. He's trying to take someone with him, um, even though Max was already on his way out of the game at 106 pitches with eight strikeouts. So I think it was a, a, a matter of, of Joe trying to either get in Max's head or the Nationals' head, maybe have them slip up a bit. They were already winning, I think, at that point, like 3-1. to one. Um, They had an early lead, yeah, 3-1 to one already, uh, which, of course, would be the final. It was just the timing of it, the gamesmanship. And then Max, of course, said after the game, he would be a fool, a, a damned fool, to use right. sticky stuff after all everything that's happened over the past two weeks and knowing that this was the first game that managers, uh, umpires were allowed to check pitchers. Who in their right mind would ever try to get sneak something by like that uh, at that time? Right. And it's Max Scherzer's first game back. And honestly, he ended up with eight strikeouts, but his command was a little bit off for Max Scherzer. Um, and I think the one check came after he almost hit somebody in the head. I think that's when it came after. So it was kind of bizarre. It's like, well, obviously that pitch got away from him. Uh, so now you're going to check. Now you're worried because that looks like, you know, it just it didn't didn't really make sense. So it was kind of all a little bit crazy obviously way over the top 
Um, I certainly think if you have reason to believe that something is off, why not use that to your advantage as a manager? I think that's kind of smart as long as you're pretty darn sure that uh, that your guy doesn't have anything funky going on. But had been checked twice. It was way over the top. At least it was a little bit of entertainment. I mean, Max hat down, glove down, taking off his belt was pretty entertaining. Um, but Max Scherzer is also like not the one you want to get mad. Like Max Scherzer angry is not the one to mess with. Did you see that stare he gave them? Whoever, whoever wants to see that? Why would you um, want to bring that upon yourself? Right. His kids were probably like, I've gotten that look before <laughs> when I don't put away my toys. <laughs> oh, man. Do you imagine being Max Scherzer's child when he's mad? That would be <laughs> horrifying. But, yeah, I mean, again, I, I really believe that, and, and he'll never say this, but I think Joe was honestly trying to get someone to be ejected with him, tossed with him. I mean, there's no other reason. I mean, all Max's do is staring at you. I get it. It's a kind of like a manly, like, standoff thing. You don't, you don't want to be intimidated or whatever um but i there's the only reason you charge out the field like that is to entice a brawl and start a fight and then in that way you maybe get davy ejected you maybe get max ejected you maybe get some other position coming or some other player coming at their defense ejected i think that was the only reason he was doing it and and he, he may be trying to light a fire under his own team but at the same time i think justin maxwell mentioned this on the broadcast it's like well you just proved that the other pitcher isn't using anything special to help him and he's still beating you. So that might be a little deflating for the Phillies. So the whole thing was kind of a show. Uh, we obviously know what Mike Rizzo said the next morning on 1067 the fan. His comments calling him uh what did he call him? Not a hack job. Um uh what was the term he used? I don't know. I didn't see that. Oh, man. I didn't see what he said. It's gonna come to me at some point. But you know, I, I thought that was interesting because Mike Rizzo said like I know Joe Girardi pretty well. I like the guy but I know him almost too well because I know what he was doing in that situation. Um, so, uh, you know what? Let's hear from Davey, actually, and Max because, of course, they addressed the situation after the game. Both of them taking the high road saying, you know, you know, let Joe Girardi answer the tough questions. We're just glad we won the game. Obviously, Max wasn't using anything. And then, of course, also Max uh, mentioning being like, I would be an idiot to to use something on a night like this. So here's Mac, uh, starting with Davey. Here's Davey and Max talking about Tuesday night. I thought the umpires, you know, I, I thought the umpires did a good job with it. I really did. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's part of the game now. And uh, they did that due diligence. So uh, as far as uh, Joe's concerned, I think he's got to answer the tough questions about that. You know, I don't need to answer that. So um, bottom line is, you know, we went one and zero today. Boys came out and played. They kept that composure. Um, we finished the game, and and it was a good win for us. So uh, we're just going to come back tomorrow and go one and zero tomorrow. Yeah, I mean the two checks were, I guess, normal. You know, umpires. You know, this is new for everybody, but uh, you know, like, hey, they're checking your hat, they're checking your glove. I mean, you're ready for them to check your hands. You know, like. I wasn't, you know, just using rosin tonight, so wasn't doing anything. That, that's all fine. And obviously, Girardi, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, kind of confusing. Um, if you watch the bomb at bat, um, you know, I just, I almost put a 95 mile an hour fastball on his head because the ball slipped out of my hand. Um, you know, the whole night I was sick of kind of licking my fingers and tasting rosin the whole night. So the only part, I couldn't even get sweat from the back of my head because it wasn't a really a warm night. Um, so for me, I, the only part that was sweaty on me was actually my hair. Um, so I had to take off my hat to be able to try to get any type of, uh, you know, try to get some type of moisture on my hand uh, to try to, you know, mix with the mix with the rosin. And so, um, 
you know, for me, that's that's the confusing part is I'm just trying to get a grip of the ball. And you can even watch in that previous at bat, the ball slipped out of my hand, almost drilled something in the face. Did you view his decision as performative or an actual like baseball thing? I don't know. It, it, I'm not I'm not just going to get into it. It's just it is what it is. You know, just for me, it's you, you, when you look at the, how the game unfolded and, and you specifically that at bat, um, you know, I, I don't you know, for me, I, I don't think. I have to be an absolute fool to actually use something tonight when everybody's intent is out of, you know, everybody's intent is, you know, so far high to look for anything. So, you know, it is what it is, whatever. Turn the page, move on. Con artist was the word I was looking for that Mike Rizzo mentioned about Joe Girardi. <laughs> um, uh, Max and Davey right there, of course, taking the higher road and, and not pointing any fingers. I think Nick makes an interesting point on our comment section on Facebook. You know, if you check a, pictured once twice or three times you know and nothing's happening some there's got to be some kind of punishment for slowing the game he he uses twice but three times and you're out toss the manager and make an mlb review i think there's an issue though with that because you know if pitchers know that after three strikes they're in the clear that's when they'll start using it so it's kind of like a teetering back and forth where it's like yes it slows down the game but you can't put a limit on it because if pitchers know that's the limit and they're not going to be checked again that's when they'll start using again because they've already surpassed that limit so it's kind of tough to how how mlb put this rule into place and how they written it out um i'm, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of adjustment period uh as we go over the next couple of weeks and how they are going to enforce this yeah that's kind of tough that's a really good point you just made i guess it could be something like official reviews still allowed i don't really know how they mandate it but there has to be some happy medium i mean i hope because we're also kind of forgetting that position players use this stuff too uh it's not just pitchers obviously that doesn't affect spin rate and everything else so it's not as big of a deal um but it seems like if we're going to enforce it one place maybe we need to think about it everywhere else um, I think we're kind of, you know, forgetting about that. But there has to be a happy medium, something that isn't over the top, but still is, you know, satisfies everybody, keeps everybody safe. Um, but it's certainly something they're going to have to work out some kinks of. But to start implementing this, not, I mean, by truly enforcing it, a rule that's been around in the middle of a season is kind of crazy. And I think this is probably Max Scherzer's little showdown. It's probably just the beginning of something that we're going to see across the league. Um, over these next few weeks until they figure something out. Yeah, that's another great point because I think a lot of players have come out and said, like, this is already ridiculous that this is being implemented halfway through the season. You know, what 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 good does that do? You know, we give us some – I think that was Tyler Glass now's argument, like give us some time to adjust to it so, you know, we know how to handle it, we don't get hurt um, and stuff like that. Now we're just kind of changing the rule. It just kind of feels like MLB doesn't know what they're doing. They're just kind of changing the rules as we go along. It's like, well – well, we'll do it this way now. We'll do it this way now. It's like that, you know, I mean, I, it's going to be impossible to tell, but now that the rule is different, what the results are going to be different. You know, what, how is that? It's going to be like, we're always going to think of this season, but like, well, the first two months, maybe three, uh, two and a half were played when pitchers were allowed to use this stuff. And now the, the other half of the season, they weren't allowed to use it. And we saw more offense. I mean, I don't think we'll be able to ever quantify what game results would have been different. Well, 
What I think it will be interesting to see is, well, Max Scherzer, you know, talked so much about having to adjust and playing in different climates. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, if everybody pitched in Tampa every day, it'd be a different story. But obviously, Rosin doesn't work as well in the cold and this and that. So I think maybe it'll be interesting to see where we see different results. Like maybe places like that, games like that, uh, pitchers are able to adapt to the rule better. Where games, places where it's colder or different types of climates will be interesting. But everybody has to change. I mean, everybody travels everywhere so maybe that'll be like an element to it i don't know but there has to be something some solution right well i was thinking of it too right here i mean thank god we haven't hit it yet but late july and august in dc is not fun it is hot and humid and try gripping a baseball in the middle of an afternoon during a hot day down here in dc you can say the same thing you know as the further south you go look at atlanta look at you know miami and tampa basically play indoors so it's a little different but you go out west a little bit uh, you know, and then compare that to like Chicago, uh, Minnesota, New York, the, te- the the Blue Jays are playing in Buffalo. You go on the West Coast, Seattle and, and Arizona, Oklahoma and um, and San Francisco, Oklahoma, Oakland <laughs> and San Francisco, um, you know, are playing in cooler climates. And so I think that's a great point because, you know, it's I'm sure pitchers on the Nationals, the Orioles, the Braves, they kind of really rely on this stuff because they play half their games in the second half of the season you know, in really hot, humid climates, and it's in probably impossible to grip a ball while throwing at 99 miles per hour. Right, and injuries are already up. Obviously, we're, like, super high last year with the shortened season, but are still up again this year. So the last thing you want is for more guys to get hurt, whether it's pitchers, whether whether it's hitters. Um, so there has to be – I mean, that should obviously be what what is on MLB's mind, I would imagine. But certainly for the Nationals, too, I mean, they have a lot of injured pitchers, so I think the last thing they want is more of that. And some rule being uh, implemented in the middle of the season doesn't help. Speaking of injured pitchers, uh, you know, Davey Martinez had to dig really deep into his bullpen on Wednesday afternoon for a game against the Phillies. They already won game one. They were trying to escape Philadelphia with a two-game sweep, possibly find themselves alone in second place in the National League East, and they did just that. But, Amy, like we said at the top of the show, it was not easy, a 13-12 final, and Davey Martinez had to use a handful of pitchers that he wasn't expecting to um, with Guys injured, like Daniel Hudson. Guys who needed a day off, like Brad Hand. Uh, He didn't have his regulars available, yet they still eked out a win. Right, and it all came down to the offense, just being able to put up more runs than the other team. Uh, Because obviously you have Kyle Finnegan, Daniel Hudson, Will Harris on the I.L., um, and Brad Hand had pitched four of the last five games, um, so he wasn't available either. So it's not the first time we've had to see Davey Martinez use a ton of relievers, um, guys like a little out of their normal spot in that bullpen. Uh, we've seen it a lot, but really we haven't seen them do it as much in wins. Usually those are games where they're getting blown out or we saw you know back-to-back bullpen games um, just in really tough positions. Uh, but the thing is, is they won, and I think that's probably the big takeaway. And being able to put up 13 runs runs was a huge part of that because if the offense wouldn't have come alive if guys like josh bell uh wouldn't have come up big in key spots uh this game would have gone a completely different way and they were still down five runs at one point uh so it very easily could have but it's just coming up big in those key moments and we saw a lot of that uh from this this lineup yeah davy ended up having to use seven arms out of the pen after fetty Ended his scoreless streak and only goes four innings. You mentioned they were down five in the fourth. I, Amy, I was up in Baltimore helping uh, Paul and Brendan record their 
Orioles podcast, I left. They were already down 5 nothing, heading into the fifth inning, and I was like, well, I'll probably miss the end of the game on my way back to D.C. I get home, it's only the sixth inning, and the Nationals are up. <laughs> or like the middle of the fifth, and the Nationals are up uh, five, or tied the game, actually, I should say, 5-5. to five. They scored five in the top of the fifth, a three-run home run by Kyle Schwarber, who is absolutely raking right now. He's the hottest uh, hitter in baseball. Over his last 12 games, hitting 333 with a 1380 OPS, 10 home runs, 19 RBIs, uh, and 15 hits. So 10, 10 of his hits are, have gone for home runs over the last 12 games. Um, the three-run homer helps bring the game at an even score, but then the Phillies bounce right back. Andrew McCutcheon hits a pinch hit home, grand slam in the bottom of the frame to go back up 9-5. The Nationals then post six in the sixth inning to go up 11-9 thanks to Josh Bell's own grand slam. It's the only game in MLB history where each team hit hit a three-run home run and a grand slam in the same game. Uh, crazy back and forth affair, uh, and you meant it, it. Just speaks a lot to David Martinez's teams, right? This has always been his mo. This whatever team that he's managed, uh, whether it's the most talented team he's had, whether they won the World Series, whether they finished in last place last year, they fight to the last out, uh, and they don't feel like they're ever out of it. And we saw that on on um, uh, Wednesday, which was probably the craziest game we've seen this. Season. It reminded me a lot of that game, Amy. I don't know if you remember. I think it was back in twenty fourteen, maybe fifteen, a game in Atlanta. Um, when they fought back hard and, and won a, a similar score, they were down like twelve or twelve to mm-hmm. one or something like that, and they came all the way back to win that game. It, it reminded me of that, um, and and like you mentioned, Soto goes over four, huge uh, game that when your your best hitter doesn't get on uh, doesn't get a hit, the offense kind of round and picks him up. Right, and typically in a game like this, you're the team that wants the last at bat. Um, and that really wasn't, well, obviously wasn't the case with the Nationals. And then they didn't have their closer. So it's kind of like they weren't set up in the best position in a back and forth game like this to win. But obviously they pulled through and it's kind of, it's kind of different than we've seen a lot from this offense this season as well, because they're not scoring runs early in a lot of games. Um, and typically those are the games that they lose. So the games that they're winning, they, they get on top first and they're scoring more runs early. Um, and this was kind of a different case. They fought back. And just like you said, that's kind of been the motto, you know, you're never out of it. So you're out of it um, and, and fighting back till the end. And that's what they did in this game. And, Really, what was they drew walks a lot more, and that was probably a result of bad pitching on both sides in this game. You, like you mentioned, Eric Fetty losing that or ending that scoreless 21 inning uh, streak, but kind of bad pitching on both sides in this one. But they they drew a lot of walks, and really, they've been walking a lot of guys. We talked about that last week, and that's been the issue with the bullpen, and then kind of seek to sway into the the starting pitching, but now they're drawing their walks and then those guys are scoring. Uh, like we mentioned, those bats coming up in key positions, Kyle Schwarber been absolutely on fire, Josh Bell coming up big in this one. So that's been, you know, kind of something different. It might be how they've been able to rally back late in late innings. Yeah. I, I, there's like positives and negatives to take away from a game like this every single time. Right. Like, um, you mentioned like they hit better with runners in scoring position than they have of late. They went six for 12, hitting 500 with runners in scoring position, uh, only left four men on base uh, in that game, which is a good sign. But like you mentioned, the pitcher, I mean, a lot of those late inning rallies for the Phillies were due in part because of leadoff walks or guys getting free passes. And we talked about that a lot last week, being like, you cannot do that. Though, Davey was asking a lot from guys who he wasn't expecting to. Like I said, I mean, he was looking for two innings from Sam Clay. I don't think Sam has pitched two innings 
or gone out for a second yet this season. And, you know, that he got like a one, two, three in his first inning and then ran into some trouble in the second. So a lot of guys were asked to do something that they're not typically asked to do. You mentioned the injuries. Of course, Brad Hand has pitched a bunch over the past couple of days. I think he got up to 30 pitches the night before um, in that jam. He got out of in the ninth inning on Tuesday's win. So there was a lot of guys that he needed uh, big innings from. And, and, you know, you can't expect them all to be uh, perfect. And the Phillies are going through the same thing. I think they made two roster moves before that game to bring up some relief arms because their bullpen was just as banged up and spent from the night before because Zach Wheeler didn't go particularly deep in that game. So it was an ugly pitching game for sure. If you like offense, that's the type of game you want to see. <laughs> it just kind of felt to, it got to a point where, you know, after the two grand slams it was going kind of crazy and you can kind of tell like, all right, pitching is not going to win this game. It's going to be whoever's able to make the clutch hit at a particular time. And ironically enough that pitching did win the game because Paulo Espino gets the save, his first major league save, I think on like five pitches. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah, it's capitalizing on the other pitchers' mistakes and the Nationals were able to do that. Drawing those leadoff walks uh, was, was key. So it's just capitalizing on those mistakes and coming up in key moments. But yeah, Paulo Espino getting his first win last week and then getting his first save this week. He's obviously being asked to pitch in all different sorts of roles, and that's what happens uh, when you have three of your best relievers on the IL. So he's coming up big in key moments, and it's kind of really exciting to see somebody that Davey Martinez, who we wouldn't even have expected to be on this roster at this point in the season or possibly at all, is coming up huge. So that's really exciting for him. Um, And, you know, we talked about his career entire last week so it's exciting for him personally too yeah and back-to-back outings he gets his first win and then his first save pretty special moment for him um but overall i mean this is just a huge game for the nationals of course you want to beat your uh division rivals you want to sweep the series they ended up that day in second place only four games back at the Mets. so it was just you know a huge shift in the division by that crazy game and david martinez afterwards talking about how much of a huge win that game was how proud he was of the boys for bouncing back and, and fighting till the end and, and earning that win. And then he also talked about Josh Bell and how much of a big hit that Josh provided off the uh, not off the bench, but for the Nationals in that grand slam and kind of dubbing him his coming out party as a National and making him, you know, now you're officially a National as Josh Bell because you played a huge role in this victory for us. So here's David Martinez talking about everything that went down in that 13-12 win over the Phillies. If you had to sum that up, how would you? One word. Boom. <laughs> That's a boom game, huh? That's a boom game right there. And there's no way to sum it up. I mean, hey, we kept battling back. I mean, when we were down five, we battled back. They came back. We battled back. They took the lead. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, we were one and zero. And, David, this, um, I'm sure there are parts of this win that you don't love, just some of the runs given up, whatever it may be, but – do you learn something about your team today, given the when you got out 13, 12? Um, I don't know. Is there anything you learned about your team? Oh, I've said it. I've said it all along. Even even the days when we weren't, you know, we weren't quite winning the games that we, you know, we thought we should win. Uh, you know, based on just not getting a hit here or there. You know, I sit back in my office and I always said, these guys, man, you know, if we could string some hits together, you know, and and start putting the ball in play and doing the little things that you know we're capable of doing. Well, when we'll we'll start winning some games consistently, and and hey, you saw it tonight. You know, uh, you know, big home run by by Jay Bell. I mean, that was that was huge. I mean, um, two strikes. You know, being able to stay on the ball, hit the other way, 
you know, that was that was big. You know, that, I mean, I, I mean, to me, that that, that was that was the, that was the, the moment right there where I, I I told myself, you know, that that made him a national right there. I mean, that really did make him a national. So, um, hopefully, he keeps it going now. David Martinez once again getting choked up right there talking about one of his players, and it's not like he's talking about, you know, Amy that. Josh Bell was never an actual part of the team or he was like an outcast or an outsider. It's just like he didn't had had that like, you know, boom to take a word from Davey boom moment uh, as a national yet. And there it is. And now he's on the scene. He's hitting so much better. Uh, he makes a big clutch hit uh, with that grand slam. And now it's like, all right, now you're, you know, you're one of us and uh, you're, you're, you're contributing to the team in a big way. Right. Now it's like, you know, you have that big bat in the lineup that everybody's been kind of waiting for. I mean, there was so much. I mean, personally, I was so worried going into the season about his defense. I wasn't worried about his bat at all. I thought he was going to be a key piece in this lineup. And then, of course, for a lot of the season, it was kind of like, how are you even starting him over Ryan Zimmerman? So to see that reward and kind of those emotions that I'm sure Davey Martinez is going through, it's like to see him finally get this big moment and see what he's capable of that he knows. And he's kind of waiting for him to just uh, come up big is really important. And obviously led to a win and led to a win that could, you know, put them in second place in the division. Yeah. And it did. And uh, uh, you know, I think that the way that Josh Bell has swung the bat lately, I mean, we kind of saw it creep it up a little earlier you know he had some good games a couple he strung together in a row but he wasn't you know for like a full week hitting better now we're finally seeing him hit like consistently like the josh bell that they were expecting to see coming back uh, or they received from the uh, the pirates um you know he's improved his batting average uh, incredibly well um, he's he's uh he's hitting home runs like the grand slam like you mentioned uh he's kind of He's been one of the best players in the National League sneakily uh, since like the middle of May. You know, he was entering May 13th. He was only hitting 133, and he's now hitting 228. So he's gone over 100 points of his batting average, or almost 100 points of his batting average, um, uh, in just a little over a month. Uh, and then he ranks eighth in the league in slugging percentage at 544, 10th in OPS at 904, and he's tied 10th in batting average at 298 uh, since May 13th. Uh, so he's just swinging the bat so much better now. Uh, and, and you mentioned the defense. The defense hasn't been a concern at all, which I think is a great thing. The fact that we're not talking about that at all is fantastic uh, because that could have been a, an issue where we're like, man, he can't hit and he's been in a liability in the field. <laughs> That's not the case at all. The fact that we're not really talking about his defense is a good thing. And the more we don't talk about it, the more is it going to be a good thing for Josh Bell. That way he can only focus on hitting and continuing this hot surge at the plate. Right. And it's exciting to see because now at this point in the season, things are kind of turning around. You need those guys to step up. Yeah. I mean, obviously you have Kyle Schwarber. I think he's third in home runs now in the national yep. league. Obviously Josh Bell has improved a ton. Those are bats that you need in the lineup to come up big now in key moments, especially when you're not necessarily getting everything you need out of the bottom, you know, Kyle Schwarber, obviously moving up to that leadoff spot worked super well. Um, so, you know, switching some things around these guys getting hot is what they need at as they hit this stride of the season heading into the all-star break. Yep. And Kyle, again, coming to this rescue on our uh, Facebook page, it was the Dan Ugla game in, in Atlanta, which I was referencing earlier. Dan Ugla 
is the guy I was looking for. I mean, okay, talk okay. about Nationals, great yep. hitting that huge <laughs> home run in um, in uh, in Atlanta that that one year. Um, a lot of things are coming together for the Nationals. It's really exciting. They got four more games this weekend on the road before they come home for a pretty lengthy homestand over the Fourth of July weekend. Again, like I mentioned, last place Marlins team. They've done it up to this point right now. And no off day, Amy. You know, I kind of mentioned last week that, like, maybe it's the here and now that they get an off day when they don't really need one. That kind of throws mm-hmm. them for a loop. No off day. They play tonight. They play tomorrow. And, of course, Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon. What are you looking for this weekend uh, against the Marlins before we get out of here? I mean, they have to keep putting up runs. I think that's key. It's really tough to come go out, put up 13 runs, and come back the next day. Um, and, and score as many, uh, but hopefully they can just keep that uh, a consistent offense going. And it's like Josh Bell hitting a stride here, you know, staying hot, obviously hitting is a super streaky art of the sport. So getting hot, staying hot is going to be really important. Um, and I kind of wonder all those people that were in our comments saying, oh, they have to be huge sellers at the trade deadline. I wonder if you have a week like this, if that kind of changes your mind a little bit. I mean, second in the division, I'm kind of curious what all of you think. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I saw someone uh, ask, uh, bringing up a trade deadline um, on the, the should they trade for? Uh, oh, never mind, that was kind of a joke. So never mind, let's not let's not bring that one up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a great point because you know, we, what a month ago, maybe even less, we were talking about. All right, now it's after Memorial Day. You know, it's like all right, maybe now we can kind of re- address that conversation and and talk about whether or not this team should sell off second place now. Four games out of uh, away from the Mets. The Mets have a brutal stretch. We talk about the Nationals' brutal stretch to end that first half. The Mets have even a big, a harder tough at it. They don't have an off. They haven't had an off day since early June, and they don't have one coming up because they have so many games to make up uh, with Not with early. some rainouts. Yeah, uh, and losing all those games early on. Yeah. Yeah, and I, don't know how Degrom's going to look. So I mean, if the Mets kind of falter there, dare I say the Nationals could find themselves in first place entering the All Star break? Yeah, you never know. I mean, it's hard to. You don't want to get too excited because right. they have one good week, but it's also like at the same time with the state that this division is in right now, they have a perfect opportunity uh, to gain some games on them, especially just like you mentioned, not having an off the Mets, not having an off team forever and not having one coming up. Uh, I think that's a good, good news, obviously for the nationals. So they they have a good opportunity here um, and you never know. I mean, obviously you're never out of it, um, especially with this division who we thought was going to be possibly the best in baseball has kind of fallen off. Um, and the Nationals are hitting their stride at the right time. Yep. I think we've got Joe Ross on the mound tonight, John Lester tomorrow, Patrick Corbin on Saturday, and Max Scherzer on Sunday. So a decent part of your rotation hitting the mound against an inferior opponent uh, in the Marlins. Hopefully Joe Ross can bounce back after a rocky start that followed a couple of really strong starts. John Lester has looked really good as of late. Patrick Corbin has looked incredible as of late. And of course, you know what you can get from Max. So ideally, another four-game series over the weekend where you win 304, maybe sweep, who knows, and they can stay hot because then you face uh, first-place teams and contenders uh, from here on out uh, before the All-Star break. And one game against the Mets, two against the Rays at home. Um, then you play the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants uh, with those last two series being out on the West Coast. So not an easy stretch, but definitely doable for this team. 
especially if they want to get to where they want to go, uh, that being at the top of the National League East. That's pretty much going to do it for this week's episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Amy, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully we'll see you next week, aiming for a Tuesday show, uh, maybe recapping this four-game set against the Marlins and that one game against the Mets. Give her a follow at Amy Jennings News on Twitter. Amy, thanks so much for the time. See you next week. Well, like I said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Mass and All Access Podcast. Another great episode uh, for us, and I really appreciate Amy joining me, and I really appreciate all the comments that we got on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, a great, it just again, the Nationals are making it fun, right? It's fun to talk about this team, uh, so uh, we really appreciate you commenting along. Be sure to tune in. Uh, to the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Wherever you get podcasts, you can follow the Mass and All Access podcast. Uh, I'm still doing the series recaps. I squeezed one in this morning, uh, recapping this two-game set against the Phillies and getting you ready for the Marlins, so you can go check that out as well uh, before the Nationals kick off this four-game set in Miami tonight. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. You can give me a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, and and um, I love talking about the Nationals. I'll be on social media coverage tonight for Mass and Nationals and tomorrow night, so join the conversation over there as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. Glad everyone's staying safe. Glad everyone's enjoying Nationals baseball. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you early next week as we look ahead to a tough stretch for the Nationals. Until then, we'll talk to you later. See you then.